0: it would garner so much more respect and at least acceptance than trying to trot out whatever these explanations are to make it look like everything went exactly like you planned it to. Like, I just, I can't take that seriously, man. And I think that's why the reporters started to get a little testy and a little agitated because it, it feels insulting to our intelligence.
1: Oh, it was testy in Todd Bowles' Monday press conference. Buck's reporters not holding back, really holding the coach accountable for some of those questionable decisions in terms of clock management not using timeouts at the end of regulation against the browns we're going to dig into that play some audio here coming up next but first and foremost it's the bucks wire podcast welcome to the show ryan o'leary here joined by luke easterling luke is the managing editor of usa today's bucks wire also does some great work for the draft wire if you care to check that out should good stuff over there luke how how are you man how was your thanksgiving weekend
0: uh wow i mean <laughs> everything question. up until everything up until sunday was great It was, uh it was, it was a great week a lot of a lot of good uh good time with the family and good food and uh yeah yeah it was it was great up until uh about uh let's see four four o'clock four o'clock <laughs> is when when things went south on sunday so i told you off air i'm gonna try to keep this as clean as possible and get the uh so we don't get the explicit tag here on Spotify or whatever it is, but uh, <laughs> boy, are they do? Do we have some feelings? Do we have some thoughts after what we saw?
1: Yeah, and you, Luke, have basically been the voice of the people uh, on Twitter. I feel like a lot of fans are just like liking your stuff on Twitter. You've been very colorful in your uh, criticism here. This is about as fed up after a loss as I've seen you. Right, we've been doing this show since 2020. Right when Brady got here is when we basically started this show uh, for the wire sites at USA Today. And this is just as fired up as as you've been, as fed up as you've been. And it seems like a lot of your ire is kind of directed specifically with the coaches and Todd Bowles, right? Uh, And probably some with the team too, because everybody contributed to losing to the Browns, the Browns off a bye week. And now we're below 500 after Thanksgiving, which is not a good thing. Uh, So I'll just give you the floor here, right? You are, that's basically what it is, right? You're just, you're having a hard time shaking this one off because the the play and the decisions just don't make sense and the explanations and we're going to get to some of the sound here uh, just don't add up either right uh, so you're just kind of you're kind of fed up and you're having a hard time shaking this one off
0: you know I go back to to something I said on this show after the uh, the Panthers lost remember they they lost to the Steelers and the Panthers back to back
1: oh yes and it was I remember just
0: like, <laughs> yes. Um, and I, I made a comment on Twitter that I got a lot of crap from a lot of older Bucks fans for saying that this was worse than 0 and twenty six when the Bucks started, right? They won their they lost their last, their first twenty six games, right? And and what, you know, I was not alive for that. Uh my parents were though. And my dad, who's a diehard Bucks fan, was there for all those games and um so I you know, I feel like I have some osmosis in, in that in, in that I understand how dark those those days were. Um, but also they were kind of supposed to suck. Um, they were you're supposed to be bad, especially back then, expansion teams were not the process was not exactly as advantageous as it is nowadays when you get a new team, um, you're supposed to be bad. So the fact that they didn't pull out a win for a year and almost two years, you know it, like it was bad, but like, it was supposed to be that way. It's supposed to take a while to build a winner. So to, to watch this team play the way they did against the Steelers and the Panthers, with the amount of talent they have with the expectations and what they'd accomplished over the last two years and every, all the continuity that was supposed to, you know, exist still on this team. So to see them continue, like the expectation relative to the performance and the on-field result was why I said it was worse. And so fast forward a few weeks and, it feels like we're right back there, right? Because you have back-to-back wins. You beat the Rams dramatically. You take that momentum on the road to, to Germany, and you play a really complete football game. I know they let them back in there at the end, but they, they were dominating the Seahawks, one of the hottest teams in the league, four wins in a row, before they let a couple touchdowns in. But they, they hold on. They find a way to win. Then you go into the bye week. You get to come out of that, and you get to play a Browns team that's not playing very well. And it's just the perfect opportunity to, to build on the momentum and prove that, okay, we're getting close to being the team we were expected to be, we're going to get there. And to just do it again, to fall right back into so, there's so many of the same problems, the, the playing, the execution, the penalties, and the coaching decisions again, which I know we'll get to in a bit. But it's just, it was just so infuriating to watch a team have a seven-point lead with two minutes left to the, the friggin' Browns, man, and to just completely – waste all of that momentum all of the the ability to prepare an extra week for for a team that you should have beaten so many things you could have accomplished you could have gained another game in the division race i know you're in first place but there's a prime opportunity to take another step forward and keep building on that momentum going into this huge saints game on monday night and they just they just let it go man players coaches everybody i just it's so frustrating to see this team continue to deal with the same problems over again while you look across the league and you see teams that are breaking in new quarterbacks, new head coaches, new players all over the place, and they're finding ways to win. Why can't the Bucs do that against bad teams? I don't I don't get it. Um, there's a ton of blame to go around, but obviously, you know, it starts at the top.
1: Yeah, we're going to be talking about the coaches here. And yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. The air is kind of out of the balloon uh, coming off that Germany game. It just is. This one this one was deflating. And so here's situation number one, right? It's It's obviously this drive at the end of regulation for the Browns, this last gasp drive they have uh, where, you know, the Bucks are sitting here. They have all three of their timeouts. They choose not to use one, Luke, after the Browns. They, so they tackle the Browns for a negative play on a third down. So it sets up a fourth and 10 for the Tampa Bay 12. And the Bucks could just call a timeout there uh, to, you know, they'll stop the clock at like what? Like it was like a minute 12 or a minute 10, something like that in that range. So they had the opportunity after the negative play on third down to call the timeout. And that would set up the Browns with a fourth and ten from the Tampa Bay twelve. So there's like three scenarios that would you're you're creating three scenarios, right? Either the Browns score to tie the game, uh, you just win the game by stopping them, or they pick up the first down somehow, uh, which would could you know extend the game, but or extend the drive because if they got inside what the two yard line and not score, it's a first down. But right, that is right. like that scenario seemed the most unlikely. Basically, it's like you score and tie it, and we we continue, or. You don't score, and we stop you, and we win. And the Bucks decide not to call a timeout there. They let the clock roll. And so then it gets to the point where David and Ju- and Njoku makes that ridiculous catch on fourth down and 10 from the 12 for the touchdown to tie the game. And now when the Bucks get the ball back, only needing a field goal, they still have three timeouts, and now only 32 seconds working from their own 25 after the touchback. So that was the first situation that Todd Bowles was questioned on Luke, I know you have opinions on it. And Bulls was asked about this play after the game, and it was this is where it's, it first got awkward between Bucks reporters and Todd Bowles. We'll just listen to this little exchange in the postgame, and Then I'm going to let you go. At
2: the end of regulation, there obviously they have the ball. Is
0: there any thought to, to calling a timeout when you know it's a third or a fourth down near the goal line, just to
3: give yourself more time to get uh, to answer with a field goal, if you will? You talking about the overtime or the regular about part it of the game? In, at the end of regulation. At the end of regulation. No, that, that clock was going to run down. We didn't have enough to stay to stop it there, right there, so it, it was overtime right there, right off the top. Once we couldn't get the other play, Julio made a great play, and we couldn't get there. It was going overtime.
1: So I love Todd Bowles, Luke. That was just an incoherent answer, right? It just doesn't make any sense. He says that the, the clock was going to run. We had no way to stop it, but we had, but, but Todd, we have three timeouts. No, you could have, you could have stopped it. You could have stopped it on that final Browns drive of regulation and you could have stopped it whenever you wanted on your final drive of regulation, but you decided not to until you hit Julio Jones with like eight seconds left and finally used one. And there was not enough time left to even get in the field goal range. At that point you had one chance and you didn't get it on the incompletion, of the camera break. Right. So I don't think Bowles really understood the question. Something went off there in that exchange post game. Uh, and, and I think that fed into the Monday presser, which we're going to get to where I thought, Bucks reporters really came at Todd Bowles and it, it was kind of testy and I kind of loved it. Uh, but give me your take right there on that, just that exchange and Bowles not using the timeout on that fourth, right before that fourth and 10 play Luke, where they could have saved some time for themselves to get the field goal and create kind of like a do or die situation on that fourth and 10 play with the Brown, with, that the Browns had.
0: Well, it, there's two, there's two explanations for this, right? One is that obviously he just didn't understand exactly what point in the game he, they were asking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. I Which I think that is Greg, what it is. I thought, yeah. the, thought that Greg was pretty clear uh, <laughs> about it. Yes. Greg Allman my and, boy, was, uh, boy, was pretty clear about that. And he was that, asked but, to uh, clarify, Luke, and he kind
1: of clarified. He said, yeah, no, no, reg- he did, regulation. He
0: did. But again, he said end of regulation. So I think Todd, yeah. you know, yeah, 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 he, yeah. giving him the benefit of the doubt, he's thinking, okay, end of regulation. You're talking about when I didn't call a timeout after Rush, uh, Rashad White had the one-yard catch and we didn't get much. And so he's thinking, you know, maybe from that, you know, giving him the benefit of the doubt and thinking, okay, you, you went into it and we're gonna to get to this on Monday. He was like, if we get no yards or we get a little gain and we get tackled in bounds, then we're not gonna have enough time and we'll just let it run and that's fine. But like I don't know, the pause, he has this long pause, he's like, nah, that was just gonna you know, it's either he didn't understand what they were asking about, or it's just willful ignorance. And in in a post game pre- again, I give you the benefit of the doubt, you just had the game, you haven't looked at the film, you're fresh off the field. It does remind me a little bit, and I've told you about this story before, the Giants game, right, in 2019, when Matt Gay misses the chip shot field goal after the Bucks took a delay of game penalty. Bruce. Right after Mike Evans had the huge catch to set him up, you know, for the for the game-winning field goal, and he misses it. And we asked Bruce right afterwards. He's literally sitting five feet in front of me. I'm, I'm in, like, the second row. And and Greg, it was Greg Allman again who asked him. He was like, why do why, I why take the delay of game there? And Bruce says, well, that, that kick is easier from further back. <laughs> I took it on purpose. I took it on purpose to back it up five yards because mm-hmm. that's an easier kick from five yards back. We're all staring at each other, looking at each other like, and I do think Greg you, actually Bruce. responded to him and was like, I'm sorry, you said you took it on purpose? Because Greg's sitting right behind me and we're all trying not to laugh because we're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and then afterwards up in the press box, we're all looking at each other like, you guys heard that too, right? We all heard the same thing? <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah but, but like, it, it felt like one of those moments where like, either either he didn't understand it or he's, he's, BNF, he's BSing us, right? He's like giving us some answer that's just like this is the best I got right now and when I get back to the film I'll try to have something a little better but as we're about to see it got worse didn't it
1: <laughs> it got worse and it got testy and it got uncomfortable and not like uh, Todd Bowles got uncomfortable but the reporting the reporters got really can it was so candid it was like fans were sitting in the front row just kind of like bitching at the coach like why'd you do this Todd you know and it, it was it was great we're gonna play some sound because it did it got it got worse on the ensuing drive for the Bucks. So they get the ball back. They still have their three timeouts. There's 32 seconds left. There's 20. They're on the 25. So you got Tom Brady. So, yes, we're going to go get a field goal here. That's what everyone's thinking. And it, it, I mean, parents are telling their kids on the couch, Luke, oh, this is what Tom Brady does. Get ready, son or daughter. It's like what this he is...
0: just did to the Rams <laughs> exactly. three weeks ago with no timeout.
1: <laughs> this is what we're putting our arms around our children to be like, this is what Tom Brady does. Watch them go get the field goal to win. And they try a screen pass to Rashad White, probably trying to get a a little chunk play to start. Doesn't work. And then they don't do anything, right? They don't call a timeout. Brady stays in the no huddle. And he ends up completing a ball to Julio Jones for 26 yards. They get across midfield. They finally call a timeout. But now there's only eight seconds left. So you're really, it's one play. You got one more play to try to get into field goal range. And I mentioned it. It was a a pass to Cameron Brate that was incomplete. And that's it. Now we're going to overtime, as as I guess Todd Bowles wanted to do all along, as he told us after the game. But so we get to the Monday presser. Everyone's had a chance to watch the film, as you said, Luke. And after the game, I was after watching the post game presser, after that confusing response, that initial refusing response by Bowles, I was like all right, we got to press him on this. Like somebody has got to press him, and they never did. Yeah, right? We they, were all,
0: we were all waiting. We were all like, Oh, this is, and nobody we went the there. Now. We got time.
1: Yeah. Nobody went there after the game. It was all questions about injuries. And I'll sit there. I'm like, what are we guys? You got to press him on this. So, but Monday's presser the day after became theater. And it was all about this. And the first question, one of the first questions he got, like right when he got to the podium, like 30 seconds after he got there was about, why didn't you call a timeout after the Rashad white play?
0: Tom, let's go back to the, the last drive before the end of regulation. After the one-yard screen pass to Rashad White, mm-hmm. 17 seconds elapsed. There wasn't a timeout call yet. You had three of them. Why didn't you call a timeout there or Tom on the field uh, to preserve some time? You look back, and it's hindsight now, but that 26-yard catch by Julio Jones, you had eight seconds. You could have had 25 seconds with two more timeouts
3: there. Or it could have been an interception as well. We said if we didn't get yards on the first down on the first play, uh, we wouldn't call timeout. We'd probably let the clock run. If he saw something, he could throw it. But we didn't get any yards on the first play. We got one or two yards with we Rashad, and we were backed up. So if we had threw a pick, and the ball would have went the other way, and they had to kick the winning field goal, we felt better going into overtime. So I didn't do it. All right,
1: Luke. I'm going to let you go here because I know. So you. Bucks fans, Bucks reporters, everybody alike, this that response by Bulls crawled up everybody's tailpipe at the same time. So go ahead.
0: I just I just want to point out <laughs> that he just said that the reason they didn't want to try to get the game-winning field goal is because he was afraid that Tom Brady, Thomas Patrick Edward Brady Jr. <laughs> would throw an interception with the game on the line. I wonder Tom how Tom Brady, feels about that. Has thrown. First of all, I'd like to know if he was made aware of this fact. I don't think so. During the game, that the reason you didn't want to risk it for the biscuit, if you will, was because you were afraid that the GOAT was going to go throw an interception with the game on the line.
1: It's so. Cool. Ryan, it's how the,
0: many interceptions has Tom Brady thrown this season?
1: I think it's two.
0: It's two. Yeah, it's two. Do you want to know who leads the NFL in passing attempts this season, Ryan?
1: Oh, I know it's Brady. You told me that off the air.
0: It's Tom Brady by a mile. So you have someone who, if, you know, again, there's probably quarterbacks that have thrown a few passes here and there, but minimum pass attempts of a regular starter, Tom Brady has thrown the fewest interceptions of any quarterback in the NFL this year, on the most pass attempts. So you literally have a, a, a mathematical probability here that is probably the smallest possible outcome. The, the least likely possible outcome is that Tom Brady throws an interception. On the track. And that's why you chose to keep two timeouts in your pocket. And again, this is just on this play. We're not even talking about the previous one, with, which they should have called the first timeout when, when the Browns had the ball, right? Right, but right, right. No, that that explanation did not sit well because it's just absolute 100% BS. There's no underway, no other way to say it. If that was, I can't decide what's worse. Whether or not he's lying, and this is just the best he could come up with, like after figuring out how do I how do I frame this, Or if it's true, and that's actually what he thought, I honestly can't decide which one of those things is worse. Yeah,
1: yeah, me either. And so there's the context there from Luke. That's why everybody is was just beside themselves when he said, "No, we didn't throw it because you could throw a pick there." Uh, When it's Tom Brady who actually, Luke, the next play, he chucks a ball deep to Julio Jones for 26 yards. So that's the follow up. And
3: and Todd, what do you have to say for yourself? But he threw the ball on second. He He threw it on second down. He saw something. He got it in there. Then we called timeout. So. Could have easily went the other way. Same
1: way. And that's the same reasoning that one could have been intercepted,
3: right? <clears throat> yeah, it could have been. It was, it was a risky throw, but he got it in there. You know, Tom's been making those throws, but we felt good going in there overtime the way the defense was playing, and we thought we had it right there. So just a <laughs>
1: call we made. It could have easily went the other way. He stuck that in there, Luke. So man, he really didn't want Brady. This is the opposite. This is the opposite Bruce Arians uh, approach, right? This is like the defensive side of Bulls. He's like, man, don't don't throw the pick. Our defense will win this game in overtime for us, Tom. Just don't, don't, don't screw it up. Yeah, the don't defense will win
0: the game in, uh, for us in overtime after we keep putting them out there over and over and right. over again for a fifth quarter. That's a great strategy.
1: Right. So, so you can see if it works out for them. So you can hear things like the uh, the yeah. Bucks reporters getting even more like they're just more befuddled as this goes on. This exchange, like, wait, so you really believe this? So then they keep go, they go back to the well. I think I'm oh, sorry. There's there's a question here about. Well, I guess, Todd, you, you should have just taken a knee after Rashad only gained a yard, right? So there's that thing from this one Bucks reporter who I can't, I'm not sure who it is. I, I can't tell by the voices, but he just sounded like he was like slouching in his seat, just like defeated, like, oh, Todd, like, you know, just like, just, just shooting from the hip. It was kind of hilarious. And then they go back to the well one more time on the Brady thing. And it's kind of, this is basically what you would have said, Luke, if you were in the room, I think.
0: The idea of, of not throwing an interception. Tom is on a historic pace for not throwing interceptions this year. You've got a quarterback who knows how to protect the ball.
1: It, it almost seems like a, a trend for the whole season that
0: you're playing conservative on offense not to make mistakes as opposed to trying to score points.
3: Is that I, don't, I don't think we've played conservative on offense at all. Uh, you can say that in hindsight about this game. but. You don't think about those things as coaches. You make the best decision possible based on everything that's been going on, and you kind of go from there. We had not been moving the football. We had nine three-and-outs, so it wouldn't have been wise to try to call that one. So I made it. I can live with that, and I'm okay with it.
1: Yeah, so there's bulls just saying, look, we had nine three-and-outs, guys. Our offense sucks. I trusted my defense more. That's basically what he's telling us. But it's an interesting question there, Luke. As and again, there's no fear here. You're right. Uh, Todd Bowles is like a nice, likable guy up there, soft-spoken. And th- these reporters, they they'll fire questions like, you know, I don't think Bill Belichick. He's not fielding these same questions as Bowles does. You know, it's kind of it's kind of a different approach, but it's awesome. Uh, the offense being too conservative, first trying to score points, like we're used to. Like Bruce Arians would have said, "Hey, Tom, go out there and chuck it. We like got win the game." You know, been in a completely different mindset with those final 32 seconds than what Bowles did. But there's another uh, instance, too, right? Bucks earlier in the fourth quarter took a delay a game penalty and punted on a fourth and two from the 37 in the fourth quarter. Right. So uh, they, they did that. And what did they do? They punted it into the end zone. So net, net of 22 yards because Bowles is like, I'm not going for fourth and two on the 37. I'd rather just punt it uh, and play defense. So is the offense too conservative, Luke? Do you think there's val- validity to that, um, that question that the reporter brought up there?
0: Of course there is. Look at look at the numbers. Look at the results. And and you can you can blame whatever you want all day long. Like oh well you know because the offensive line is banged up, we don't have certain guys, then you know we're gonna have to rely on the defense. Like I said, you can only do that for so long. It's there's a fine line between communicating to your defense, hey we trust you guys to to close this out, versus continuing to tell your defense go save our goes go save our butts, go save our butts, go save the day. We missed it again. Go save us again. And understanding you've done that ten times already and asking them to do it for a fifth quarter on the road in the rain, like is just borderline malpractice at that point. At some point, you've got to pony up and say, We've got Tom Brady, we've got Mike Evans, we've got Chris Godwin. Get two yards. Okay? Get two yards. If you can't if that offense can't get two yards, we have bigger problems. Okay. At some point you have got to put it on Tom Brady in the offense. To win the football game, and stop asking your defense to go out there more and more tired every drive for five quarters to win you the game, and then act shocked when they can't get the job done because you went three and out again and again and again. It's just there is a definite. It feels like I don't know how Todd can say we're not playing conservatively. Two minutes after saying what he did about the way he played the end of that game, yes, I, I, like that, right. and, and again, he literally he say, was
1: conservative, and he said he, and he admitted he, it. Man,
0: it's so frustrating. And again, to 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 your point about the reporters and kind of the mood that that they're in, it's because they feel the frustration from the fans. They see it. And and I told you this off the air. It's one thing for a coach or a player to get frustrated with the media when you know because I'm not saying that we can't be high and mighty sometimes and we can't act like we know more than we do and, and be you know patronizing in the way we ask questions about certain things because sometimes we do see something on the field that looks one way to us. But if you're in the locker room or you're in the team meetings, you know that that's not exactly what the plan was. And that's not it's not so simple. Right. There, there's a lot of things like that. And I, I admit that. But this isn't one of those times. I told you off the air. We can do math. OK, we know how much time was on the clock. We know how many timeouts you had. Everyone on social media in real time was making those decisions and being like, why aren't we the announcers? In the booth, calling the game for Fox. We're like, man, it's really surprising he's not using the timeout here. I would have called one here. I would have Like, yep. why does everyone else in the, in, the, in the universe that's wrapped up in this game, the, during the game, after the game, the next day, why does everyone else seem to understand that this was clear and obvious miscue in terms of managing the clock in multiple ways? Why does it seem like the one guy with this finger on the button is the only guy who seems to not understand that he messed it up?
1: He's not the only guy, Luke, because I think Jeff Saturday came out and agreed with Todd Bowles on the way he handled the end of the game. So I'm sorry, just had to And it, that's what you know. <laughs> and I said him, this.
0: I, I said this again yep. more colorfully than I'll Go say ahead. it here. But after that, after that, that you know clip came out of Todd saying that. I I just I said that I wish coaches would just be more willing to say. You know what? I went back. I looked at the tape. I, I looked at the scenario from a you know thirty thousand foot view. And I I see it now. I get it. You're right. I should have called a timeout here. It would have been much more advantageous. Even if he scores the touchdown, now we've got a minute left and two timeouts. That's plenty for Brady. Even if we get tackled on first down for a short game, we've still got a timeout. We've still got some time. And we can move the ball and and get down there. I I should have used those timeouts and handled it differently. It It would garner so much more respect and at least acceptance than trying to trot out whatever these explanations are to make it look like everything went exactly like you planned it to like I just I can't take that seriously man and I think that's why the reporters started to get a little testy and a little agitated because it it feels insulting to our intelligence to tell us that what we saw wasn't what was happening when it's just clear to everyone who knows anything about what's going on on the football field that that's what's going on and I I think we feel patronized sometimes when the coaches try to overcoach speak in that way instead of just calling a spade a spade and saying hey you're right I should have called it differently like again and I've been critical of Jeff Saturday that whole situation is still fishy to me but you know he was able to look at it the next day and said like man I really wish I would have called that time out really <laughs> wish I would have handled that third down differently yep. live and learn you know what I mean yeah I get it like if you would just say that it would just be so much more so much easier to swallow than feeling like you're going up there and, and selling us some bs about Tom Brady throwing an interception or the clock's gonna run out anyway, we're gonna play to overtime. Like that's just come on, don't insult us. Yeah,
1: with all these interceptions Tom's been throwing, guys, we can't be risking yeah, we can't yeah, be risking a, the ball epidemic, in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. So it does come across super disingenuous. But I thought this this whole conversation's very healthy, right? I thought the the testiness from the Bucks reporters was good for them. You know, I was a little disappointed after the game, but they came after him on Monday and really held him to it and, and had Todd answering the questions. And I, I want to give Bowles credit, too. Now, maybe he didn't give us the responses we were looking for, Luke. And, and at times our heads were spitting. But at least, I mean, he he doesn't flinch up there. I mean, these guys, again, borderline unprofessional at times. And I have that's not a criticism because I understand that it's testy right now. And we're, it, again, we're below 500 after Thanksgiving. That's not that's terrible. That's not good. Uh, but Bowles doesn't flinch, right? He answers every question. He doesn't make a face or like come back at the, the reporters in a negative leave way. He, he doesn't, doesn't leave early. He doesn't. He doesn't. He's <laughs> just like, you got to give him props for that, right? It's just like, it was a good, healthy little debate. And I don't know if you feel better, Luke. I don't think you do, but at least you got something off your chest, right? If a podcast isn't good for anything, it's that.
0: At this point, it's not about feeling better. Yeah, the only exactly. thing that'll make you feel better is if they actually, at some point, finally... Lock up the easiest division title there is to win Jeez. in this in this league right now. So once Seriously. that happens, then I'll be all right.
1: Seriously, yeah. A loss to the Saints would just make everything just will throw everything out of whack, and maybe the Panthers would be in line to win the division if you could believe that. It's like absolute chaos in the NFC South. We'll get to that, and also life without Trist- Tristan Wirfs' high ankle. He's going to be out for a month. So how do the Bucks uh, deal with that? We're going to get into all that coming up next. But first, let's get some fantasy advice from the huddle.com this is the typical sports book fantasy minute let's make this interesting
2: cory benini here with the huddle.com to bring you strong plays for week number 13 quarterback Mike white at Minnesota Vikings white took over for Zach Wilson last week and proved to be the right decision with 315 yards and three touchdown strikes on the year Minnesota ranks as the fourth weakest defense versus quarterbacks and six managed 23 plus fantasy points against Minnesota five quarterbacks have thrown multiple touchdown passes versus this defense and they've all come in the last six weeks As the Jets look to keep pace, White likely will be asked to throw all day long in this one. Seattle Seahawks running back Kenneth Walker at Los Angeles Rams. Walker's two touchdown showing versus the Raiders was overshadowed by a career day from Josh Jacobs. The rookie back has averaged fewer than two yards per carry in consecutive games, however. Against the Rams, running backs have averaged the eighth fewest rushing yards per game, but the eighth highest scoring frequency on the ground since week seven. Don't be scared off by the name value of the Rams defense. It's a stellar matchup for aerial success, too, which ups Walker's value value just a nudge. New England Patriots wide receiver Jacoby Myers versus the Buffalo Bills. Myers has no more than 62 yards in any of the last six contests, and he hasn't scored in three straight. Mr. Consistent has exactly 9.2 or 9.4 PPR points in three straight games, though. That's a pretty nice floor. Buffalo has given up huge numbers to the position of late, and we've seen seven wideouts go for double-digit PPR returns since week seven. All but one were good for 16-plus PPR points, and this matchup is 47% better than average over the last three games. Myers should be a strong, PPR wide receiver three. Los Angeles Chargers tight end Gerald Everett versus the Las Vegas Raiders. After missing a week with a groin injury Everett returned to catch all four of his targets but he managed a laughable 18 total yards. He hasn't scored in six straight games but is a pretty good play against a Raiders defense that has given up neutral stats for receptions and yardage in the last five weeks. On the year this is a top seven matchup in PPR scoring and Everett contributed three catches 54 yards and a touchdown in the week one contest and that's the aim here. Gamble on him for a touchdown He's a pretty decent play overall. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out The Huddle. 800 in Colorado.
1: All right, we're back. And Luke, we mentioned right before the break there, uh, life without Tristan Wirfs. So it uh, sounds like the latest reporting is that he's probably going to miss a month, three to four weeks, something in that range. He has a high ankle. There's only six games left of the regular season. So we're going through some, some big ball games here for the Bucks without uh, a very key piece. And it's like, next man up, kind of rings hollow right when you're talking about worse you know especially when your depth along the o-line all year has kind of been stressed and tested basically to like a breaking point right so uh how do we recover from this uh you know what's your take on this on this worse injury
0: i mean there's just a a few gifts that go through my mind there's the, the michael scott one where he walks in and toby's back no uh, yeah no god please no um yes. brian cranston from that one movie where he just mouths the f word um <laughs> yeah. as he walks away so that's, you're not feeling good about that. that's what comes to mind it's not great um there's a, a a short list of players that you feel like you can't deal without um ryan jensen was on that list the bucks lost him on the second <laughs> day of training camp yep. Shaq barrett was on that list they lost him a few weeks ago to a torn achilles and tristan worth might be the next guy after tom brady on that list <laughs> um Uh, in terms of his value to this team. Uh, And part of it is what you saw from Donovan Smith on Sunday, because he's a veteran on that offensive line at this point. He had two of the most egregious, impactful mistakes and penalties in that game. He had a false start, had a hands-to-the-face penalty that one of them set him back from third and three to third and eight, and then they didn't get it. The other one uh, disallowed one of the best plays Brady's made in a long time, right? Switched to the left hand while he was getting sacked and flipped it up out to, uh, to Rashad White for a first down on a key third down, and they, they called it back for holding and her yeah, yeah. hands to the face or whatever. So my point in bringing that up is that because Donovan Smith is playing so poorly right now, that's your, your left tackle who's got all the experience. To lose your all-pro right tackle now, you have nobody to rely on. There's no – I mean, Shaq Mason has been okay, but you got Robert Hainsey who wasn't supposed to start. You got Nick Leverett who's playing pretty well, way better than Luke Getticke was, the rookie. Uh, left guard, but there, who on that offensive line can he, can Tom Brady have confidence in right now now that, now that your all pro is, is gone and worse? I will say though, it could have been a lot worse. If you watch that play, it was a really weird freak thing where, uh, the, the Browns defender was trying to leap over Shaq Mason. Shaq Mason dumped, dumped him over like a pile of garbage and his whole body comes flying down onto Tristan Worf's like foot, ankle area while he's trying to block the, the edge guy. And so, the, the feeling when that happened and you watch the replay, there's a reason they only showed it once because uh, it looked really gross and ugly. Yeah. Um, and then Worth tweeted afterwards, he said the gif of uh, of Steve, Stone Cold Steve Austin with the milk, right? And he's like, yeah, hey, yeah. drink your milk, kids. Yeah. A reference to the fact that I think we all expected some broken bones uh, and torn ligaments in this situation, but evidently he avoided all of that. So the fact that he's only going to be out three or four weeks uh, is a huge win, but those three or four weeks are going to suck.
1: Yeah, and, and we'll have to see if it sucks this week, right? We're home. We're coming into a Monday night football game against our favorite opponent, the Saints. Uh it's just a it's a sneaky big game, right? Because we're not looking at the playoff picture, right? Like we're not. Like the Bucks right now No. At losing, five,
0: losing Tristan Wirf the week you play Cam Jordan is just not great.
1: No, it's not. It's bad. It's bad. No. The, I mean the Bucks they do. I mean the Saints they do have a pass rush. There's there's no doubt about that. It's been better than I thought a lot of people expected it to be this season. Uh so the Bucs right now, they're four point home favorites against the Saints. And uh, the game could go one of two ways, Luke. Right? Either the Bucks bounce back and win this one against what really is a mediocre at best Saints team, right? And they can
0: really, or they could get shut out nine to nothing, or blown out thirty-eight to three, like they have the last two times the Saints have come to Tampa on prime time.
1: Right? And if that happens, chaos. Right? Chaos. Yeah. Like the, yeah. the NFC South will be complete. It's already a mess, but that would just completely uh, tip it all upside down. Right. Like I could pull up the standings right now. I know it's it's ridiculous. Like what the the Panthers? Yeah, I and, can't
0: wait to see what team with a winning record is going to miss the playoffs because the the eight and nine Saints <laughs> or Bucks or Panthers or or Falcons win this division and have a home playoff game as a four seed. It's going to be hilarious.
1: It's insane. So the Bucks are five and six, still in first place because the Falcons are in second at five and seven, and then the Panthers and Saints are both four and eight. So yeah, like, everybody's right there. It's just a mess. And if the Saints win, it, it gets even worse for the Bucks and it's not like we're looking at the wild card race or anything like you have to, it's just the NFC South right the bucks yeah, just got to focus right there. on
0: that's your only ticket
1: you got to focus on the south because right now you're two games behind the 7th seed in the NFC so it's not like you could lose you could not win the division and make the playoffs we're not really looking at that right now so it's just like you're looking at these games and this game against the saints this is a a sneaky big Gotta ball game. It. It's a big ball game, Gotta right? Have it. It's a big game. Yeah, well, I and, mean, you're not, you got six and you're not you're not loving it.
0: Half of them are against the division. Yeah,
1: this is big. So this is what we're talking about. It's all about the NFC South games. I mean, I was looking at the standings of like, ooh, the Bucks are five and two against the conference. Well, that's a good. Th- no, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's just the NFC South, right? That's all that matters right now. And uh, so, it, it, this is a, a massive game against a mediocre Saints team at home Monday night. Uh, Bucks are four point home favorites, and I already know Luke you're not ha- you're not you're not loving this spot, right? You're not loving this spot for the bucks. Go give it to me.
0: No, I hate it. I hate it. And and again, like you said, half of their six games are against are against the division. So you got to have those 3. And four of their six losses at this point are to AFC teams, so they really don't hurt that badly because again, if it comes down to tiebreakers and they've got a good division record, they've got a good conference record, they you know, they should win those those tiebreakers. So it makes those, these three games, the Saints game, and then they close with the Panthers and the Falcons back, back to, to end the season. You've got to have these three games. The problem with this game is that I have – why should I have any faith that the Bucks will win this game? Why? Not just what their team looks like now and the injuries they're dealing with, which we didn't even talk about. Antoine Winfield Jr., who's got an ankle injury and he may not play this week. Um, the entire Bucks second starting secondary – missed some sort of time on Sunday. They left the game, each and each and every one of them. Uh, Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, Mike Edwards, Antoine Winfield left the field at some point for some injury during Sunday's game, which is not great. Logan Ryan is back to practice this week, which is good. Um, but again, like the state of this team, even notwithstanding, go back and look at the last two times the Saints have come to Tampa with Tom Brady and the Bucs have been a better team or a less injured team.
1: Do we have who to? was supposed
0: to beat the Saints? And they got beat 38 to 3 yep. and 9 to nothing. I'm not even Painful. sure which one of those is more embarrassing, honestly. Um, but I just don't, you know, as bad as the The only reason this is a game at all is because the Saints have somehow been worse, right? The Saints have, have their own problems to deal with. But we've talked about it. We've t- literally talked about it for, for two years, three years on this podcast. It, they have some sort of mental block when it comes to playing this team. They obviously got the one that mattered in the playoffs in New Orleans. They beat them in New Orleans earlier this year when they were as healthy as they've been. And honestly, the Saints were probably as, as healthy as they were in that game uh, as well, but I just going into this game, everything feels exactly like it has the last two times that this has happened. So that being the case, I don't know how anybody's picking the Bucks to win this game. I just don't until they prove that they can go up against this team in prime time at home with all the expectation and pressure of you should win this game and not fall flat like they usually do. I'm not. I'm not picking them to win.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you said something very similar, prior to the Carolina game, the the first one that the Bucks had this year, and I was sitting here and you're like, no, I'm I I'm not I'm not picking them to cover anything against this team. And I'm like, nope. really? The Panthers? They're tanking. They just fired everybody. They just traded McCaffrey. What are you talking about, Luke? And you're like, no, 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 no. And then they lost outright in that ball game. And it does feel similar. It's like, man, the Saints are horrible. They got Andy Dalton playing quarterback. They're not good. They just got shut out. Last week they go didn't score. look
0: at go look at the quarterbacks who have had success against the bucks the last week go tell <laughs> go go put Pain. together an all-star team of the Taylor Heineke's of the world oh, uh, and tell me the bucks aren't capable of making that guy go 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 ask PJ Walker how much fun he had against this
1: defense. oh my gosh yeah so I'm with you my gut says Saints take the Saints plus four if you're betting the game I, I, I don't think I'm I'm definitely not taking the bucks to cover four points it nope. um, feels a little high the over under is interesting I think the public is is kind of Jumping on the over, it's forty and a half. But I think Luke, you, you predicted a very low scoring, ugly ass game, right? That's what you're seeing. So you you're not touching the over under because you think this could be super ugly and like maybe played in the low thirties.
0: Both of these offenses suck, man. I, I don't know what how else to say it. Like they've go. got some playmakers and they've got some some ability, but the offensive lines are both banged up. They they just have I mean, the Saints just got shut out and the Bucks are averaging what, seventeen, eighteen points a game this season. So right. I just, I, I wrote the uh, the prediction in the preview for the uh, Sports Weekly, the USA Today Sports Weekly uh, paper issue that you guys can still get. Um, and I picked the Saints 19-13. It just feels like that kind of ugly, sloppy, you know, Brady does tend to when he's going to turn the ball over. seems like it's against teams like the Saints. So, uh, you know, I just don't, I don't like it. I don't like the matchup. I don't like the, the, the expectation and the pressure of the fact that the Bucs should absolutely win this game. That feels like the types of games they lose. Um, and again, the way they played on Sunday, the way they played against some of their worst opponents this year, just gives me very little confidence that they're going to be able to to go out and get this done. And I would love to be wrong. I would right. love to get embarrassed. I would love for them to go hang a forty burger on.
1: You the want state. a blowout? This is what you've always wanted since early. I would love
0: in the year. it it would be glorious. I just don't, there's no precedent. There's no evidence whatsoever that points me in that direction.
1: Oh, Luca, you're just, you're, you're as down as I've seen you on the team in a while. And since we started doing this in three years, you're as down as you've been. So I'm hoping the bucks can win you back and we can kind of, you know, uh, you know, get it back rolling here at the end of the season. But also I kind of like angry Luke too. these, these shows with angry Luke. I'm kind of here for it, man. I thought it was a good, that uh, was a good little podcast this week. I can't, I can't wait to go listen to this thing back. You're pretty fired up. I
0: don't i'm I, it's kind of like I am on Twitter, right if we're yeah. winning, I don't say anything. I never talk when good things happen because I don't want to jinx it right I'm the same way with lightning right. stuff. So like I'm you know I'm a right. huge hockey fan, huge lightning fan so like if if something good is happening, it's only because we actually scored a goal or the bucks actually did something like finite that was good. If they won the game, then I'll reflect on it. If they're doing bad things all game i'm I'm inconsolable. I'm just a complete like I try to be the voice of the fan. Like, I try not to sugarcoat things. And I know that people call me a homer on certain days for certain reasons. But if you go look at how I tweet when they're losing, uh, hopefully you can see that there's uh, plenty of objectivity there because I, I, I will let them have it when they deserve it. So it's uh, I'd love to get back to the very quiet game days where I don't tweet a whole lot and they just hang 40 points on people. That'd be nice.
1: For sure, yeah. So uh, Twitter handles are in the description of this podcast. Make sure you're following Luke. It is uh, it, It's always great stuff. Luke does a lot. Uh, for the NFL wire sites. I mean, draft stuff, Buck stuff, anything. I mean, you wrote a good piece on Justin Fields that Alyssa and I were going, we were talking about that on our Bears podcast, Luke, about that you, you just echoed everything that we felt about Fields. And yes, shut him down because it's not about, you know, trying to beat the Packers who you hate and is a rival this year. It's not about that. It's about 2023. So yeah, you, you're just doing all kinds of good stuff. So make sure you're following Luke on Twitter. The F-bombs come out. For Luke, after the Bucks lose a game like they did against the Browns, it's great. It's great theater. We love it. He's just like the voice of the people of Bucks fans. So that's what you where you want to be. And of course, keep your eyes trained on Bucks Wire for the latest uh, with the team and everything that's going on. Luke, what's what are you working on right now? between now and kickoff on that this is, you know it's kind of extended week into monday night you working on anything uh, particular for bucks wire
0: uh i mean i'm digging very deep to try to find some reasons for bucks fans to be hopeful so okay. if i that's find enough one for of them right i'll write about it and then they can read it and hopefully feel a little bit of hope
1: that's a tough article for luke to write right now so all right we'll be checking back in with luke next week after this game against the saints to see if he's feeling a little bit better but for now for luke i'm ryan o'leary thanks for joining us as always and we'll catch you then